Welcome to another episode of Life as a Nephrologist podcast. I am Sam Kant, your host and a transplant nephrologist at Johns Hopkins. Today, we're going to delve into a process that we probably don't know the inside workings of, a journey of a manuscript from submission to publication. To walk us through this journey, um, joining us today are the editors of Kidney Medicine, the National Kidney Foundation's open access journal. I'll ask each of them to introduce themselves and say a bit about what got them interested in being an editor. I'll start off with Dan. All right. Thanks so much for having us, Sam. Uh, my name is Dan Wiener. I am a nephrologist at Tufts Medical Center in Boston and associate professor, professor of medicine at Tufts University School of Medicine. I'm the editor-in-chief of Kidney Medicine, and uh, I guess I'm a glutton for punishment. I had worked on the NKF's other journal, AJKD, and I was deputy editor there for about 10 years. I took about a year or two off in between, and then I was given the opportunity to lead uh, the newest journal, um, Kidney Medicine. And, you know, I was suffering from a little bit of AJKD um, editor withdrawal at that point, and thought it would be a great challenge and a lot of fun, and really looked forward to leading another journal, especially a fledgling one. Jenny? Hi, I'm Jenny Shen. I'm an associate clinical professor of medicine at uh, UCLA, and I'm an investigator at the Lundquist Institute at Harvard UCLA Medical Center. So I was, uh, yeah, I was super excited when Dan invited me. I think the main thing that interested me was being able to kind of take a little bit of a snapshot, uh, look at all the different parts of research that's going in in nephrology. I'm kind of focused on my own areas of of interest, but being able to, you know, kind of peek at what else is going on uh, in different fields and being able to talk with other smart people and read the comments of other smart people. I think it's a great way to improve uh, my own reviews and uh, my own research as well. That's very self-reflective. Thank you for sharing. Dave, what about you? Hi, I'm Dave Drews. I'm a nephrologist also at Tufts. And I would say that Dan is the reason I became interested in research, actually as a resident. I worked on a project with him, and that sort of led to my whole interest in clinical research as a career. And then when he approached me about being one of the associate editors, I sort of left at the opportunity to work with him again on a, on a project. And I agree with Jenny. I think one of the best things about it, which I don't know if I really realized this at the time of um, agreeing to do it, was just sort of connecting with all these other researchers. You know, you get to know a lot of the people in the fields, communicate with them. As we are going to talk about later, I think trying to convince them to become reviewers is also a challenge, but that's, that's sort of part of the um, hard thing about it that um, it also sort of grows the relationships that we have within nephrology. You know, and I think one of the things that I'm sure the listeners would love to know, I mean, kidney medicine is growing at a really fast rate, but we kind of really don't know how the idea of that was really conceived. And um, I think I'd like to go to that question to Dan, because, you know, you took the helm of it straight off, but um, I'm sure people like to know how was it conceived and how's the journey been so far? Yeah. Um, so the journey has been great. Um, just to sort of answer the second part first. You, you take something that didn't exist before, and now we have a real journal. Um, I think we're doing well. We're hopefully going to have an impact factor coming out in the next couple of months. Um, PubMed Index, indexed everywhere else. Um, so the journey's been a lot of fun, um, growing something from being super excited to get that very first article a few years ago to now being selective. 
not that we weren't selective to start off with, but having a lot of content, a lot of interest, a lot of readers, and being able to make sure that we are really publishing top quality stuff. In terms of where the journal came from, um, there was a need that the NKF identified with the, the publisher Elsevier for the kidney journals with the NKF for an open access journal. A lot of societies and other entities were mandating open access, and there was really a need. AJKD also, as you probably know, is the parent journal, I guess, of kidney medicine is what I would call it, and rejects probably about 85 to 90% of content, suggesting to us that there was a lot of good content out there that was available that just wasn't getting into AJKD. So there was a need for the open access journal. There was an opportunity because there are a lot of good articles that just weren't getting published, and the National Kidney Foundation jumped at it and there became kidney medicine. The hardest thing was trying to come up with the name, actually. That, that took a lot of effort and a lot of time to try to go back and forth through all sorts of different entities and different possibilities. We finally settled on kidney medicine for the reason that we really wanted the word kidney in it, and a lot of the other names were taken. <laughs> It is it is simple yet sophisticated, right? As it says, um, kidney medicine. So I think I think you definitely made the right choice. Um, it abbreviates nicely as kidney med on PubMed. Also, is something we were looking at. So my next question is to Jenny. You know, I mean, I think being an associate editor, I'm sure you deal with a lot of manuscripts coming to your desk, and you know, you have to make pretty rapid decisions as well. What really makes you decide? You know from the first perusal that this is something I'm definitely going to send out for review or ask another editor to have a look? What is it that pops out to you for a manuscript? I think the first thing is, and this is why it's so important to have a good abstract, is if I take a glance at that abstract and it's interesting, then I'm like, okay, then this is, that's my first time that, you know, my antennas go up. I think it's tough sometimes, like when you're in the thick of writing a manuscript and then you have to figure out a way to summarize it. And sometimes it seems to summarize well to you because you know the study really well, but it's good to hand it to somebody who's not involved with the project because sometimes you don't realize like somebody else who doesn't know what's going on, they read it and they're like, what exactly, why do I care about this or what's interesting about it? Because sometimes you get lost in the reads. And so I think that's something important for people to understand when they're going into it. I think also uh, if it's things that are interesting to me, and this is just a personal interest of mine is anything that's related to patient experience I'm really excited about. And also just anything where you're like, huh, I never really thought about that before is exciting as well. And, you know, there are times that there are manuscripts that are, you know, probably rejected at the very outset without being sent to reviewers, you know, uh, someone who's been through it, you know, I have to say, you know, it is very disheartening for sure. Dave, what do you have advice for young researchers who will, who will go through this? And I think rejection is part of building, you know, your academic character. You know, have, having been through this process where you are now on the other side, what would you say to researchers, you know, probably getting that rejection, first of all? There's a lot of randomness to the process. And I'll say that because, you know, there's three of us as editors, right? And, and we're evaluating these articles. and. You know, I'd like to say that there's some very strict criteria that we're applying to each one. But I think as Jenny just talked about, sometimes it's something, you know, a topic just grabs our interest or it's something that we we hadn't heard about before. And 
the opposite can happen too, where you have an article that just, you've seen something like this before and it just seems honestly really kind of boring, but someone else seeing it might be really interested by it. And so I think you have to understand that there's some of that human element and that you should just keep trying and send it to another journal and you may get someone who's really interested in it. And I think if it's well-written and you believe in the research and, and you really want to get it out there, then I would say to just to keep trying. And that applies to, you know, grants as well, right? It's, it's sort of, we're at the mercy of a small number of people evaluating our something we put a lot of time into. And I think you just need to believe in, in the research you're doing and, you know, keep working on it. Yeah, no, that's very good and very sage advice, I have to say. But I think one thing when we move to the next phase is when you definitely decide to send this for a review. I understand you know, having following the wave of how reviewers, you know, you ch- you find reviewers, it's, it's getting harder day by day to get reviewers to review this. Dan, how are you circumventing this problem or addressing this problem, you know, as we move to the next phase of academic medicine and, you know, you're growing as a journal day by day? Yeah, everybody is busier with each passing day. And journal reviewers are really volunteering their time and expertise. And that's the model that we have set up right now. That is a tough model because there are very few other things where people are just asked to spend two, three hours reviewing something, feeding back on it, so on and so forth without really any particular benefit, except for hopefully they are helping disseminate knowledge, but doing so in a somewhat peripheral way. So we know that we're asking a lot um, every time we ask for reviewers. And it means that we oftentimes need to ask a lot of people to review because the most common answer is either no or people just ignore the requests, which is also sort of tough. To try to get around this, um, we've done a few things. First of all, one of our major sources of articles is a waterfall from AJKD. So if an article does not get into AJKD, if it's rejected without an external review, it can come to us without reviews. But sometimes articles are sent out for external review from AJKD and are rejected at that point. In that case, the article very easily transfers to us with the push of a button and the reviews will come to us from AJKD. That system works. And in that case, we usually know who the reviewers are as well, which can be somewhat helpful for determining. Critically, we also have Kitty Medicine Express. And with KM Express, basically, we've come out and said that we will take peer reviews from any other journal that this article has been to. We'd like to think that kidney medicine is going to be the first choice for submission for just about every article, Um, New England Journal, whatever, I don't care. But we know that we're not always going to be the first choice for articles. And therefore, articles will likely have already been in other journals and may have had a chance of having been reviewed. In that case, we want those reviews. I think if the reviews are critical, I think that's still okay to send because we are as an editorial team, are pretty experienced and are able to also look at reviews, look at the articles, and make up our own minds in terms of what the content is. So I I wouldn't hesitate to send reviews that are rough or challenging because they still have meaning and they're still done with intent. I think one of the other key things is that when we write our revision letters, we really try hard to focus on the specific comments that an author should really take to heart that a reviewer has written. So if the reviewer says something that we don't necessarily agree with, we'll say, 
okay, you don't need to specifically do comment number four from that reviewer. But if we find something that's really important, we'll say pay particular attention to comment number two from reviewer one. Really trying to emphasize what we truly think are the key elements to make a paper as good as possible. And, you know, a lot of times as a reviewer, you know, there can be stats which are sometimes beyond a scope of someone's, you know, probably expertise. Dave, do you have any insights on that? Yes, we're we're very lucky to have an experienced statistical editor, Hossein, who is was actually came uh, was also at AJKD for with Dan, I think for the span of 10 years and he is also has an appointment at Tufts University in our CTSI and he's an extremely experienced statistician with a wide range of experience almost exclusively in nephrology. So he's worked in that space for you know, I think at least fifteen years, and and so provides us with a lot. More, Dan is telling me even more than that, I think <laughs> twenty plus years, and he uh, provides very detailed feedback to the authors and to us. So so we're, we're aware if statistics have been done in an appropriate manner. I have to say, we're joking about AI earlier, but. He is so fast and he is so efficient and because he's really busy and so he gets the job done, but he doesn't necessarily have to show up to the virtual editorial meetings we have. So I've actually never met him before. So for all I know, when I send his stats, I probably like send it to like chat GPT who like comes back with this like super detailed analysis of the pros and the cons of the analysis. Um, he's like a machine. It's great. Yeah, I think that, that was one of the things that we did actually at HAKD. Um, back when Andy Levy was the editor-in-chief and I was the deputy editor. That was really the one of the biggest interventions that we had in terms of making articles better. When AJKD moved to Boston, we instituted a statistical uh, review of every article that had numbers in it. And we really thought that that was important to continue with kidney medicine because validity is really the most important thing in original research. And clinical research is very based on statistics. So having somebody who really knows what they're doing looking over every article makes the quality of the article so much better. And you're almost, with your interactions between the three of you, you're almost giving an insight into the editorial board meetings. If there was a fly on the wall, what it would be like? Tell us a little bit about that meeting. I think the fly would say we're a little irreverent and try to have fun with meetings and enjoy each other's senses of humor, while at the same time learning from each other and looking at some of the articles. We try to really limit discussion of the articles to about five minutes each. And typically, if an article is getting discussed at a meeting, it means that we're planning on taking it, sending it for statistical review or sending it for revision. And the purpose of that meeting is to make sure that we're all on the same page, that we're not really missing something, that we haven't overlooked serious flaws that one of the other ones of us may identify. And to make sure that we're going to come out with a decision letter that's going to result in the best article possible for their particular topic. One of the things that really catching up, or I think nephrology has been at the forefront, is the visual abstracts. And I think there's a you've assembled a big team at Kidney Medicine that deals with it. So really from the get-go, one of the things that we knew was going to be important, especially for a new journal but also for authors, is being able to get their work out there, being able to communicate their findings and their discovery 
to the broadest audience possible. And in that setting, we really wanted to emphasize visual abstracts. So we have a visual abstract team that helps with the really put together a large part of this. And there are interns who work on this. The social media editors, they're actually featured in our core editorial board. So if you were to look at the webpage, it's the three of us, Hossein, who's our statistics editor, and then the three social media editors. And then that's followed by an entire list of visual abstract creators. And this is actually listed above the people who are the broader editorial board, because we, we really, really value the contributions of all of these individuals. But the team has been led from the get-go by B.G. Thomas, who is at Georgetown, Hector Madariaga, who's at Leahy, so um, a Bostonian nearby, and Karina Teodisio, who is in Romania and actually have not met her yet. She's relatively new to the team. And they're really just guiding this process with interns and students who are learning how to read articles and extract what's important and put them into a visual abstract. And we are incredibly grateful to all of these individuals for helping get knowledge and information out there and in a manner that's visually pleasing and captivating and communicates quickly. And, you know, as we come to the end of the podcast, I think we all can in this room recognize that the last two, three years have been extremely productive, you know, for nephrology, especially from a research standpoint. There have been so many breakthroughs, whether it's been basic science or therapeutics. I'd like to ask each one of you, what are you most excited about, you know, coming into the future? Jenny, let's start off with you. Yeah, I mentioned this a little bit before, but um, I'm really excited about the big emphasis on patient involvement at the research team level. I think in the past, it was more just getting their feedback on what has already been done. But it's just so amazing really seeing them much more uniformly being involved at the conception of the research. That's one thing that I've been really happy to see. Dave? So I think one thing is that we're finally getting large trials that include a large percentage of patients with chronic kidney disease, which I think for a long time, they were just excluded from various trials. But now we're seeing a whole host of trials from the SGLT2 inhibitors, even going back to SPRINT, just recognizing that kidney disease patients should be represented in trials and that it's it's a really important to, to find out if the drugs that we're looking at work in our patients. Dan? Yeah, I, I echo both Dave and Jenny, but I'm just really excited that we finally have treatments to slow the progression of chronic kidney disease. It's It's been a ton of change in the last five, six, seven years, and there's now even more targeted therapies coming out for specific diseases like IgA, um, beyond the untargeted therapies like SGLT2 inhibitors and new MRAs, and, and it's a really exciting time to try to prevent kidney disease progression. Thank you, uh, Jenny, uh, Dave, and Dan for giving us uh, insights into working of a journal and a very successful journal as it goes into the future. For the listeners, thank you for listening, and we hope to catch you on the next episode. Thank you all.